All right, everybody. Well, um, I was at the doctor uh, earlier this year. I was, I was having what they call premature ventricular contractions, which sounds a lot scarier than it is. Uh, it's essentially your heart just kind of flutters a little bit, you know, prematurely. I just said, hey, you know, I've got four kids and a God-fearing woman who just keep me there. So, um, but it apparently it wasn't a big deal, and I was, I was leaving the, the medical office on 30, West 38th here and uh, heading back towards Mopac, and I was stuck in traffic for a moment, and I was just stopped there, and this little car, you know, this little two-door, like, older, I don't know, Ford or something pulled up, this little old lady in it, you know, next to it, next to me, and, um, and you know that kind of moment when you, you look and, and that person's looking at you and you're like, oh no, what are they going to say? And then she kind of rolls down her window and I'm like, okay, she's going to ask me for directions. I don't even know where I'm going. You know, like, um, and she rolls down the window and she goes, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like, I'm kind of taken back for a moment. Like, uh, yes, it's a beautiful day. She goes, yeah, I just moved here. It's, it's, it's amazing here. I go, yeah. She goes, do you like it here? I go, I do. I like it here. <laughs> and she goes, okay, have a good day. And she rolls up her window and she takes off. <laughs> and I, I'm like, okay. Uh, people really love Austin. <laughs> like they really love Austin. And, and there's a lot to love, right? Like, man, amazing food. And you got fusion of everything here. And, and coffee galore. And breakfast tacos, which are just, I don't know how breakfast tacos haven't made themselves around the country yet, but breakfast tacos, amazing. You could just eat yourself to death here. Uh, but, but the outdoors, the paddle boarding, the, you know, the town lake and Zilker Park and Redbud Island and the hill country and all this beauty around us. And we've got this incredible art scene of music and South by and ACL and I, I heard Banksy is coming to town or was just in town. There's just this great art scene here. And we've got an international airport. We've got 2.4 unemployment, which is like a whole percentage below the national average, some of the lowest in the country. It's a great place to live. People love living here. We love living here. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but we love living here because it offers us so much, right? Um, I, and, and that's kind of a one-sided love in some ways, if we're honest. Like, if I loved my wife because of what she offered me, and I didn't reciprocate that in an in a equal or greater measure, uh, it's questionable about how much I really love my wife, right? Love is reciprocal. Do we love the city of Austin for what it does for us, or for also just for because we're a part of it, because we're embedded, we're intertwined in the city, do we love our neighbors in this city? We love our neighborhoods in the city. We love the businesses and the initiatives that are going on in this city. We are integrated in a meaningful, communal way. Is there something for, the, for us in the way of Jesus that could teach us how to posture ourselves in a way of love for our city? Uh, in many ways, the church... Uh, in, in America has been dislocated from the actual place that the building is in. Do you know what I mean by that? Like many downtowns have church buildings. It used to be the, the you know, city hall and, and maybe, I don't know, another government building, and then this, the churches were downtown. 
and people came and from their neighborhoods, they walked to church. But now what's happened? The churches have gone to the suburbs in the big parking lot, you know, you know, commercial buildings, and people drive in from hours away to go to church. We've kind of dislocated our sense of the church and the community that the church belongs to. Does that make sense? Is there something for us in the way of Jesus that can teach us to posture ourselves differently? We're starting this series, Love Where You Live. Kind of appropriate, right? Um, And it's the idea about how do we learn to love the city and love the people in the city that, that we live in. And so today, I want to talk about one thing specifically. I want to talk about learning to speak the language of others. Learning to speak the language of others. And so what we're going to do right now, I'm going to invite some friends to come down, and we're going to have an experience uh, of, of learning to hear other languages. Now, today is also Pentecost Sunday, right? So that's part of what we're doing here in, in Tribe. We're having this picnic afterwards um, and, and those folks, my friends, you guys can come down. Come on down. They're like, do we come down now? He's still talking. What do we do? Come down. Um, uh, you know, Pentecost is this commemorative moment, the inauguration of the church. And there's this, this time when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the followers of Jesus and these incredible miracles happen. And in Acts 2, what happens at the very beginning is all these people start speaking in all kinds of different languages, but all of, the, all of their, their listeners are hearing one language. They're all hearing their own languages. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to hear from a Spanish speaker, a Russian speaker, a Tagalog speaker, a Portuguese speaker, and a Japanese speaker. Uh, there were more people available, but we couldn't get everybody in in time. So uh, I'm going to hand the mic over here, this one, and uh, they're going to let you know what they're what what language they're reading first. So you'll see the translation on the screen as well, so you can read along if you'd like to catch this. Okay, I'm going to be reading in español, Actos 2, verso 1 al 3. Cuando llegó el día de Pentecostés. Estaban jun- todos juntos en el mismo lugar. De repente vino del cielo un ruido como el de una violenta ráfaga de viento y llenó toda la casa donde estaban reunidos. Se les aparecieron entonces unas lenguas como de fuego que se repartieron y se posaron sobre cada uno de ellos. Все они исполнились Святым Духом и начали говорить на разных языках. Эту способность даровал им Дух. В Иерусалиме в это время находились благочестивые иудеи из разных стран под небом. На шум собралось много народа, люди не удумевали, потому что каждый из них слышал, как те говорили на его родном языке. Labi silang nagulat at namangha, kaya't sila'y nagtanong, Pakinggan ninyo, hindi ba mga taga-Galilea ang lahat ng mga nagsasalitang ito? Paanong nangyaring naririnig ng bawat isa sa atin ang ating mga sariling wika sa kanila? I'll be reading in Portuguese. Partos, Medos, Yelamitas, habitantes de Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Porto, e da província de Ásia, Frígia e Panfilia, Egito e das partes da Líbia próximos a Sirene, visitantes vindos da Roma, 
tanto judeus como convertidos ao judaísmo, cretenses e árabes, nós os que ouvimos declarar as maravilhas de Deus em uma própria língua. Ohayou gozaimasu. I'll be reading in Nihongo, it's Japanese. Hitobito wa tada bozen toshite itai. Dou natte iru no da tokka o miwasemashita. Shikashi nakani wa nanin karera wa yopparte iru dake satto. Asekeru monotachi moimashita. Well done. Well done. Wasn't that beautiful? Um, that had your attention, right? There's this moment when someone is speaking another language and yet you understand somehow, or maybe they're speaking your language in a group of people that don't speak your language. It captures you. It captures your attention. You lean in. And it was beautiful to see illustrated. Uh, this is what's happening in Acts 2, this, this moment where people who are there in, in the crowd are, are, are hearing their language, and it gets their attention. What does it mean uh, for you when someone learns to speak your language? Like, have you ever been in a foreign country, and you just happened to hear somebody who speaks your language? For me, it's English, right? So you're in a foreign country, and you just hap you happen to hear somebody who speaks English, and maybe they say something like, I don't know, they order a croissant, and you hear croissant, not croissant, right? You hear croissant, and you're like, that's an American over there. And you, what do you do? You like run over there, you're like, are you from the US, you know? And uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. In the, in the US, you'd probably never talk to that person, right? Like, you, they're just another face in the crowd, but something ca captured you. You heard your language. What does it mean when someone leans in to speak your language? And maybe not just your words that you communicate in, but, but when someone speaks your language, they start talking about the same authors that you read. Or they start discussing the, you know, the, the kind of work that you do. Or they, they start arguing about the team that you love or they start listening or talking about the musicians that you listen to, that narrate your story for you. You perk up, why? Because someone is speaking your language. Someone gets you. And at some fundamental level, you just feel heard. You feel made aware of. Many people uh, come to see this moment in Acts 2 as actually a reversal of another moment long before this in Genesis 11. So I'm going to read a story in Genesis 11. You guys okay? Genesis 11 in uh, verse 1. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. So this is happening somewhere in between Noah and Abraham. So Noah has come. There's this new people. God's actually told them, hey, go fill the earth again. Go flourish again. But they decided not to. After many generations, they're still together. They're all speaking one language. And it says in verse 1, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Sinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and make them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. 
and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said to them, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it was called Babel, because there, there the Lord confused their language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them all over the face of the earth. So this one people come together with one language, and they try to build this city. And there's three points that kind of stand out to us about this, this passage, right? They're, they're there to, 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 they speak the same language, that's the first thing that stands out to us, but they're there to build a city. Oftentimes we hear the Tower of Babel and we think, oh, it's just a tower, but they were building a city at first. And within the city, they were going to raise a tower that would stand to, 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 to represent their ability, to call other people's attention to their name and their greatness. But they were after building something great. Something to serve as a symbol of their unity and their ability to achieve. And if you think about it, isn't that really what most people are after? Like think about the commerce or the art world or whatever's happening in your city right now. On some level, isn't it often that people are just trying to find those who will speak their language to build the thing that they're after? To build their reputation or to build their startup or to build their brand or whatever it is. And God in this story, he gets involved and he kind of stirs the pot a little bit, right? It says, I love that it says, let us come down. Remember, we we're talking about community and the community of God. He comes down and, and he, he confuses their language and he kind of forces them to spread out because now they don't understand each other at all. And it won't be so easy to just build a name for themselves. They'll need to now learn to speak another language. If they really want to build something, now they have to learn to speak another language. And I don't know about you, but I would love to learn to speak another language. Have you ever set out to learn to speak another language? You're like, Rosetta Stone, baby, this time it's gonna happen. And what happens? Most of us don't learn to speak another language. Like, unless it, it happened to you somewhere between, you know, like one and 15, like you, we, got a, we held on to a little bit of like high school language maybe, but most of us have not learned to speak another language. Why? Because it requires a lot of discipline and devotion and quite a big de a bit amount of humility. Because you're not going to sound right. You're going to say the words wrong. You're going to try to have a conversation and people are going to look at you like, are you saying kitchen sink or taco? What are you trying to say right now, right? Like you're just, it's going to be a humbling situation to learn to speak another language. It's hard. So if they want to build something, they now have to humble themselves. They now have to lean in and learn. But the point remains, when they speak the same language, when they do that work, when they work together, 
They can accomplish anything. He says, nothing will be impossible for that kind of people. So Acts 2, we're coming back to Acts 2. You know, God is bringing back this people now who will speak the same language. And now those that were scattered by God are being brought back together by God to build something, to build a city together. By Leo. Leo's just staring at me as he's going out the door like this. But this won't be a city of brick and mortar and tar and all, you know, this kind of thing. This, this won't be a city for their name's sake. In Acts 2, we see the inauguration of a new kind of people in a new kind of city. One that exists in the current city. They exist in Jerusalem, but they're a new kind of people, a new kind of city all together. And, and in Acts 2, Peter gets up and he kind of emerges from this group and he preaches this powerful message about Jesus and powerful message about the Messiah being brought to fruition through the life of Jesus and that Jesus himself had come to usher in this new type of people in a new kingdom and to pour out his spirit upon all people. We're going to pick it up in verse 36. It says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. This is Peter speaking. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent, change your worldview, live under a new story, imagine life as different as the truth that Jesus teaches it, and live into that truth. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That means you. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And this is, this is really quite remarkable in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and the many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What is their response to this, this message, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, these people who are leaning in to speak their language and to teach them in that, in that vehicle of leaning in and speaking their language, they're teaching them something about Christ and about the love of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and the kingdom come. What is their response? They go, what do we need to do? How do we join this thing? How do we become a part of this? They repent and they're baptized and 
And what's the fruit of that is they, they begin to build a new kind of city out of a new kind of people. They devote themselves to learning, to humbling themselves to learn the teachings of Jesus. One of the hardest type of people to help enter the kingdom of God is a religious type of person. Why? Because they kind of feel like they got it figured out already. And so often in our religious pride, we miss out on what the kingdom really is because we've got it figured out. They don't do that. They go, we need to learn. We need to lean in. We need to humble ourselves. This is going to be hard. It's not going to make sense. I'm probably going to make some mistakes. I'm going to say things wrong along the way, but I'm going to humble myself to learn. And they devote themselves to one another. This is this, this diverse group of people. They've come from all over. This is not just Jews in Jerusalem. They're from all over. Christian did the hard work of reading all the places they were from in Portuguese earlier. Like these people are from all over the place and they come together and what you know, context and history tells us, commentaries will tell us is that many of them just stayed. Those possessions, those lands, those pieces of property, they sold them back home and just stayed. They said, this is where the kingdom is. Oh, here I am. I'm going to be a part of building this new thing. But they had to learn. This is a different kind of city, a new type of people building something for the sake of the name of Jesus. And with the backdrop of kind of the Tower of Babel there, what, we, what is inferred is that this kind of people, for this kind of people who will learn to speak the language of others, who will learn to lean in, who will learn to live by the Holy Spirit, who will learn to devote themselves in humility to the teachings and to one another and to breaking bread and having communion with each other and to praying together, that type of people nothing will be impossible for. Enemies will become like family. Addictions and afflictions will be healed. Slaves and masters, rich and poor, Jews and Gentiles, they will call each other brothers and sisters. Sins forgiven, lives transformed. Human flourishing. But it still required them to learn each other's language. You know, if you've been to my house uh, for dinner, which many of you guys have, you may have experienced, we do a couple different things around the table, but one of the things that my wife and I do with our kids around the table is our kids interview whoever is having dinner at our home. And they ask all kinds of questions, right? And, you know, what's your favorite movie and what's your favorite book and where were you born and are your parents still alive? Like, you know, some really, like they just ask whatever, right? And, but, but what am I trying to do? Rachel and I are trying desperately to teach them to take interest in people's stories. We're trying to train them that when you, when you come in proximity of people, when people come to your home, when you host people, you're, you're to take interest in them. People are amazing. Their, their, their stories are complex. And sometimes a question catches the person off guard and it gets a little real and it gets emotional and that's okay. It's this beautiful moment that we're having at the table and the and people are so gracious because they're like three and six, right? So they can ask really awkward questions and they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll answer that one, you know? But the point is, is that we're trying to train our kids to take interest in people. 
Researchers tell us that interest can help us think more clearly, understand more deeply, and remember more accurately. It's a state of engagement that calls us to experience the moment. Paul Sevilla, sorry, Sylvia of the University of North Carolina speculates that interest acts as an approach urge, an approach urge that pushes back against the avoid urges. We all know what the avoid urges are, right? The avoid urges are this. We're in a room full of people and we do this. We get in an elevator with a bunch of strangers and we do this. We stand in line at the grocery store and we do this. These are avoid urges. Interest acts as a approach urge. It pulls us towards the new, towards the unknown, towards the other. Sylvia puts it, it interest diversifies our experience. Isn't that beautiful? And so if you want a diversified experience, if you want something to learn, if you want to grow, if you want to experience new, there is not, there's really very few, if I can't think of any better opportunities than right here in this room. I mean, you just saw five people. Some of you guys didn't even know that they spoke these languages. There's so much to learn here in this community if we will humble ourselves to learn another language, to lean in and to take interest. And this kind of love is an insular. It postures itself towards the city it lives in. What do we see here in Acts 2? What's the outcome of these kind of people who humble themselves, who lean in to love one another? What's the outcome? The natural byproduct is that they love the people in the city they're in. And those people too start to go, Man, this is really cool. I want to join that. And they get baptized. And their numbers are growing day by day. The greatest evangelical tool we have is not a flyer. It's our relationships. It's our relationships embodied and experienced in the lives of other people. As we go and we love our city together. Are you with me right there? Will you lean in? Will you learn a new language? We're starting this whole series and, and we're going to talk a lot about this in practical ways about how to love your city, how to love where you live. But it will require, I guarantee you right now, it will require humility. It will require you to devote yourself to learning. It will require you to take interest maybe in things that you don't think are cool or people that you don't think are cool or don't share your common interest already or speak your language already. Will you take interest? Will you learn another language? Will you give yourself over to the work of the Holy Spirit? This happens when we gather together. We're about to go and have a picnic together, right? And this could be a great opportunity to just go sit down with the people you already know. Or or to lean in, to learn another language, to take interest, to ask questions, to sit with some people you don't know well. Maybe nobody in your small group. Maybe somebody who you go, I don't even, I've never, I've, I've seen them a lot at church, but I don't really know their story. I don't know who they are. What a beautiful moment. It'll take humility. Might be a little awkward. 
But will you lean in? Will you learn another language? Will you go sit with someone new? We do this at church. We do this when we gather for small group. We do this when we gather for midweeks. Man, if you were at midweek on uh, Wednesday or Thursday night, it was this beautiful moment where literally somebody from another country came and spoke to us. We had guests in from Russia, and they, they shared, you know, people who've been doing ministry there for 30 years, and they shared their experience of what the last two years have been like, and then what the last two months have been like, or three months have been like for them. And we got to learn. We got to hear them speak their language. And it wasn't Russian, it was the language of suffering, the language of perseverance, the language of, of wrestling with complex issues within and outside the church and growing through it in love. It was amazing. If you weren't there, you missed out. You missed out. I hope you're there next week because this is where we learn. Pentecost Sunday, as we get ready to take communion, it commemorates the descent of the Holy Spirit poured out on all people following the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ Jesus. And it inaugurates a new type of people that will make a new city for God's name now. And that nothing will be impossible for that kind of people who humble themselves to be led by the Spirit. So as we take communion to get together today, again, I want us to carry the spirit of communion, not just here in this room, but as we go out to the blankets and to the lawn chairs after church, that we're still having communion. We're still breaking bread together. We're still sharing fellowship together. We're still commemorating this beautiful, diverse experience that we're having because of the death and resurrection of Christ as we fellowship together to one another. Let's pray and let's carry that heart of communion as we go.